put your hands together and give a warm welcome to Yvonne Godfrey. Yvonne knows one of my good friends for the last 20 odd years yes. and Yvonne, it's an absolute privilege. And where's Simon? Up the back. He's, Simon? He's run down there to get a book. Well, let's give Simon a hand too, eh? Thank you. Thank you so much, Ian and uh, Kimberly. Lovely to meet you this morning and an absolute privilege to be here with you on this very special day called Mother's Day. And I just am delighted to be sharing with you my thoughts about young adults and how we can, if you're a young adult here today, how you can be the very best. And if you're a parent, how you can play such a strong role in that. Well, as the slide says, in 25 years, young adults will rule the world. And they will be making decisions for those currently in power. So if you're 40 here today, then you'll be 65, envisage your life and how much control you think you'll have over it. If you're 50, you'll be 75. And if you're 60, like I am, you will be 85. And I tell the young people, as I work with them, in 25 years, you will be making my decisions. So let me ask you, does that worry you? Or does it excite you? As we look down the track and we think about how our young people are developing, you will have made, you will have decided whether you think you're worried about that or excited about it. Some time ago, and how I became involved with young people, a young lady came to me via her father who was struggling. She was living in Ponsonby, earning the minimum wage and not doing well, as you would not on a minimum wage trying to live in Ponsonby. So she had one foot in the city and she had one hand in dad's pocket. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> there were other things that she wasn't happy about in her life. And so I took her for 10 weeks and began to work through all the things that I now teach on our Miomo program, which just stands for making it on my own. And you can see the material up the back there afterwards. At the end of 10 weeks, she had mastered so many things. I was so proud of her but she was still earning the minimum wage and she still couldn't make ends meet. So I said to her, love, you're either going to have to get another job or we're going to have to get a raise for you. And she said, well, I like my job. I said, great, let me show you how to get a raise. Anybody here would like to get a raise this morning? <laughs> Don't put your hand up, Ian, because that will mean everybody has to give more. Okay. She said, yes. I told her what to say. She went in to see her boss. She sat across the table and she said, I believe I bring good value to this company. And the boss was, of course, of course, of course, we think you're amazing, you're incredible, we love you, we appreciate you, we love what you do. And Anna smiled and she said, thank you. And I'd like to be paid accordingly. I said, if you speak then, it will be lost. She went from $22,000 a year at the time which was the minimum wage, to $38,000 a year. She got a 70% pay rise in that one conversation. Why? Well, firstly, because she asked. And secondly, because prior to that day, or prior to her time with me, she was thinking, speaking, and acting as a child, who of course was open to exploitation. After she began to see her value, after she began to express that value, and that's two different things. One is to know it, secondly is to be able to, to express it. She was thinking, speaking, and acting 
as a young adult and therefore the world treated her as such. However we see ourselves, however we express ourselves, that is what we invite others to do for us. And I began to think to myself, wow, it was 90 days exactly from when I had first spoken to her until when now she was getting this raise. Imagine if we could do this with young people. Imagine if we could save them years of wandering around, wondering who they are, and even better than that, what if we could save them from being lost in the first place? And so began my journey with young people. And I'll tell you more as we go on. But the future looks different for our young people. And if you're a parent here and you're over 40, please do not say, well, in my day, because nobody really cares about your day, especially your children. They can't imagine your day. It does not apply to their day from the point of view of what's happening in the world. There are fundamental truths and things that maintain throughout the generations, but the concept that life is the same today for your young people going into the workforce and becoming young adults as your day is ludicrous. I'll show you how different it is. You know Uber, it's the alternative to taxis. So it's the world's largest taxi company but doesn't own any vehicles. Facebook, the world's largest communication platform, the most popular media owner creates no content. Alibaba, the most valuable retailer has no inventory and Airbnb has no hotel rooms. Life is different, there is no question about that. At Google, Laszlo Bock, who is the head of people there, he says, we're not really interested in your kids' academic achievements nearly as much as we're interested in their emotional intelligence. We want young people today who are humble, that have humility. Listen, young people, humility is what the older generation are looking for in you. They have so much wisdom, they're dying to pour it into you, but they cannot do it if your cup is full. So Google are looking for people who will learn and who will adapt and who will submit to leadership. And what is beautiful if you've been raised a Christian or you are now a Christian, you understand that as a concept. In order for there to be generational flow, we have to be willing to ask and receive. We have to be humble. So my passion is to raise young people who are competitive, meaning they have the competitive edge and they have good character. But if I could only choose one, it would definitely be good character. So where do parents come into this? What's legacy all about? You like this? I heard a story about this old girl. Here she is, lighting a cigarette on her 100th birthday candles. I think when you get to 100, you can do whatever you like, quite frankly, don't you? All right, so she's in the old people's home and there's a new, gorgeous 80-year-old um, inmate. No, that's not right. What? what it? <laughs> Resident, thank you, thank you. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, let's face it, most of them aren't leaving, are they? So look at it how you will. Anyway, she's at the dinner table and this gorgeous 80-year-old comes up, dressed so sprucely. She walks up to him. She puts her long bony finger into his chest and she says, hi, gorgeous. She said, you look just like my fifth husband. <laughs> oh, madam, he said, why, how many husbands have you had? <laughs> Four, she said. <laughs> so you see vision 
is all, this is what legacy is all about. And a good man or a good woman leaves an inheritance to their children's children. And can I add that how much depends on the kid in the middle? Because if you have a vision for your grandchildren, then you must equip your children to handle the inheritance. And the inheritance, most of us are dominated by the idea of how much money will I be left, but that is not the inheritance. And we know it's not the inheritance because it gets blown because if inheritance was about money, then every generation would be becoming more wealthy and they're not. So what is the inheritance? What is the legacy? It's the faith. It's the traditions. It's the culture. It's the values we teach, but more importantly, it's the values they court. Everything that we do as a parent is role modelling. There's no question, it's just whether it's good or whether it's bad. Is the role modelling that we're doing today on our children that that we wish our grandchildren to take to our great-grandchildren and onwards, whom we will never see? So the parent's job is to leave the legacy. But you cannot influence or lead anybody who you need. You need their affection or their approval. And one of my big things today is to encourage you as parents, do not be held hostage by your kids. Do not be held hostage by a demanding young person backing you into a corner, using unbelievable manipulation techniques, see chapter 15, they're all there, to place you in a vulnerable position where you have lost your leadership. From the day that child was conceived in your womb, ladies, this is Mother's Day, you were given the authority, you were given the mantle, you were given the responsibility to lead that child. And fathers, it was given to you equally. And often there's a tendency because the woman carries the child, she is the focus of the child, we're having a new grandbaby in August. But men, it's your responsibility too. You have the authority, please step in it. So how do we love our children so that we can get the results that we want? We can raise up these young people who will love God, who will love themselves in terms of what they can bring and their value to society. They They will be contributors. Love with intention. So what do you mean? I say love intentionally as opposed to emotionally. Because if you love emotionally, then you're so affected by your emotions that you won't make the decisions starting with the right thing in mind. You've got to start with the end in mind. And in my book, I have a chapter called The Realistic Wish List. And I encourage you to make a list of what you want for your young people. Now, we can't control the outcome, but we can influence it incredibly. So if you get a vision for what you want for your young people and then you speak the truth to them, I dare you to love your kids by speaking the truth to them. And we know the Scripture from 1 Corinthians 13, all about love. It's said at so many weddings, the intention being that I will love my spouse till the day they die, no matter what happens, and sickness and in health, and for rich, richer for poorer, and so on. In other words, whatever the circumstances are, I will be true to my commitment to love. And this is God's model for us. He loved us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. God sees the eternal you. 
He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And He is the beginning and the end of you as a person because He sees you walking through that time span called this earth into eternity to live with Him forever. And that's why He dares to tell you the truth. He dares to tell me the truth. And He gives us that mantle as the parent to make sure that we're passing that on to our children. The Word is so vital. I love God's Word. Word, The Word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, being able to divide between sinew and marrow, the Bible says. Likewise, what comes out of our mouths to our children is so very, very important. And the Bible tells us that out of the overflow of the heart does the mouth speak. And that's why I encourage you to get a much bigger vision for your kids and not be sideswiped and not be put off track by what's happening today, by the bushfire you're putting out today, but to continue to remember that it is the long-term vision that you have. That word is so powerful. It reminds me of a woman and his son who were fighting. It started off as a bit of an argument, it escalated, and then it got really feral and ugly. And days later, it turned into you know, personal assassination. And she was calling her 18-year-old son a complete loser, and he was calling her Hitler in a skirt, and it was, oh, it was getting nasty and quite, quite mean. And in the end, he was so exasperated, he stopped and he said, well, Mum, if I'm that bad, you think about this, Dawn. If I'm that bad, why did you have me? Did any of your kids ever say that? If I'm that bad, why did you have me? Hmm, she said, thinking about it from minute, she said, well, because we didn't know it was gonna be you. We were actually hoping for someone with a job. And you know, kids don't ask to be born and we don't know what we're going to get. And that's why it's so important. And talk about speaking the word, there's too much talking done and not enough action. And there's too much verbalising done and not enough writing it down. I am a big believer in whatever your dealings are with your children, be fair, be very clear and put it in writing. If you'll do those three things, you'll save yourselves a lot of heartache and you'll save yourselves where your kids, you think that they're twisting or manipulating or whatever they're doing or forgetting what you've got to say, put it in writing. Well, how do you measure maturity? What is an adult? And I did a survey amongst a group of 16 to 24 year olds. It was pretty frightening. You can read it in the book. But really, it's all about, I'll just go back one so you don't get distracted on that. It's all about three things. Firstly, being financially able to take care of yourself. Secondly, being able to run a household and take care of you personally. And third, being emotionally stable. So let's just run through those three things. The first one is financial independence means that you can pay your own bills, that you can save for your future, that you understand the concept of giving and that you spend money growing yourself and the things that will lead to that strong character that we all want. Whether you've got big kids or little kids, somewhere along the line, something started with pocket money or something like that, right? And we've got an 11 year old grandson and he gets pocket money. And I just said to Simon, I really want him to have a chat with our eldest daughter, who's 35, to make sure that she understands this concept. Because if you are a steward of the small things, you will be a greater steward of the big things that God will give you. And it starts really small. Everything starts small. So I encourage you to think about pocket money. What is it for? Have you made it very clear and put it in writing what you expect the pocket money to pay for? Because eventually you can give your young adults, you can give your teenagers their budget for their clothing 
and they can make sensible choices about the clothing. And there's, there's ways that you can gravitate it up so that by the time they leave school, money is not fearful. It's something to be mastered and that it doesn't master them. By the way, just a couple of things if you've got young people about to go into the workforce. Remember, you can't negotiate with a squatter. So before they get their first pay, be fair, be clear, and put it in writing what you expect for board. 25 to 30% of take-home pay is a good, good measure. You can choose whatever you like, but don't make it so cheap that they've got enough, too much money to spend on themselves. The biggest mistake parents make. And obviously don't make it so much that they could live cheaper somewhere else. I mean, that would be, that would, well, that's one way to get them moving along, isn't it? All right. Now, the second thing about that is never let your kids give you board in cash. It's always got to be automatic payment. If you let them give you money in cash, they will negotiate. They will not learn how the real world works. Remember, we are setting our young people up for where they're going, for their bigger world, not for where they are. And unfortunately, most of us keep our kids mental, emotional, financial prisoners because they can't make it in the real world because we haven't insisted that they do. Physical independence means being able to run a household. Now, I came up in a very interesting situation. My parents divorced when I was 10. I went farming with my father and my brother. I could run a household at 12. I was living alone at 16. I moved to Australia when I was 17 on my own. I was married at 19. I do everything fast. There was a lot of things wrong with my life. I came to know Christ when I was 16, and by the time I was 17, I had backslidden. Long story. I got married, wasn't a Christian, wasn't living as a, I was a Christian, but I wasn't living as a Christian. Married a man who was not a Christian at 19. But I was very capable on the one hand, very emotionally unhinged on the other. Now, you'd wonder if that marriage would work, right? Well, here he is, 41 years later, sitting right in front of us. It did work because God showed me how to put it all together and showed us how to put it all back together. But I wouldn't recommend anybody goes down that track. Let me go back to running a household. I want you as adults, if you've got kids that are 13, 14 years old, by the way, I don't use the word teenager much, I don't like the word teenager. I like the Jewish culture where at 12, a girl is uh, considered going into young adulthood and at 13, a boy is considered going into young adulthood. They don't use the word teenager there. There's a good reason for it is because what, teenager is a very negative word out there and however it is framed up, that's how kids will live. So I say, no, from 13 to 18 is your five-year apprenticeship to leave home. You're getting ready to leave home because an 18-year-old could go to Victoria or Canterbury or Otago to study, could go into the military, could go anywhere and move away. And you want your 18-year-olds to be totally capable of looking after themselves. And there's absolutely no reason why they should not. We, we are letting our kids off the hook and we are unfortunately speaking over them as if they're incapable. So being able to run a household is about go from parent-child mentality to adult-young adult mentality, partner up. Even from your little ones, I saw on the, on the uh, video there, the little ones were talking about their role and, and what they do, doing the dishes and putting their clothes back on their bed and so on. From three years old, those littlies can be involved. Start then. And for mothers who I, I was interviewed on the uh, uh, magazine here, the newspaper just the other day, 
and the interviewer was doing the sad sack story about how women are so burnt out and tired, and I basically said, yeah, well, more fool her. Now, they didn't print that. <laughs> you know why? Because she's doing everything that she shouldn't be doing. She has so wants this perfect house, or she so wants everything done right, she doesn't let her children learn. And I'm a big believer in letting the littlies learn. Let them shoulder the load. Look, I, I do a lot of family coaching, and I'm talking to parents, mothers, who are making the beds and changing the sheets on a 19-year-old's bed. There's something very wrong with this picture. So we need momentum in our lives. Momentum comes from routine plus consistency. Comes from habits plus consistency. That's how you get momentum in your life. The other thing about when young people contribute, it does amazing things for them because when they contribute, they get that real sense of ownership. Stake in the ground, pride goes up, this is my home, this is my sanctuary. And it's really important that as parents, you allow that and expect that to happen. Thirdly is emotional independence. And this is all about stability. And you see here the girl with her hands up. That is to say, no. We have to teach our young people to say, no, you cannot have my stuff. You cannot have me. You cannot violate me. And I've had experience with many young women like this who don't know how to say no. And one in particular I can think of, she'd been through the Miomo program and two years later, we were driving along and she said, Yvonne, how do I stay out of trouble? I said, don't be where trouble is. She said, what do you mean? I said, don't be with the, in the places with the people doing the activities that make you vulnerable. When you're there with those people doing those things, you can't say no. You have lost the ability to control your life. And she wrote them down and she understood. And I'll just leave you with one thought about that. Nothing good happens after midnight. Look at the crime. Every time you read about a murder, a rape, or something terrible that's happened, nearly always, wrong place, wrong people, after midnight. After midnight, all the eating, drinking, talking, dancing, swapping of stories has happened. Now we've just got bored, angry, intoxicated people looking for a scrap, looking for something to go wrong, and that's what happens. We talk about self-discipline, and self-discipline's about focus. It's about doing what you have to do to grow your life. And it's around work ethic. It's around study. It's around exercise. It's around reading. All of those things that you make yourself do as opposed to self-control, which is holding yourself back from self-indulgence. Now, I teach this very clearly to young people so they recognise the difference. One is self-discipline, one is self-control. We've got a lot of disciplined people with no self-control. Tiger Woods. The most disciplined man on the planet could hit 100 golf balls a day when he was five years old or whatever, but didn't know how to master himself. So if you can think of it as two separate things, it'll help you a lot. Now, the third thing around this is leadership, self-leadership. Jim Rowan said, don't wish it were easier, wish you were stronger. Don't wish your problems were, were smaller, wish you were bigger. And unfortunately, most parents try to take their kids' problems away instead of helping them to build the capacity they need to be able to solve their own problems, make the decisions that will take them through life long after they've left home, as in young people leaving to go to university, for example. 
They have to have that discipline and control and they have to be able to solve their problems by growing themselves. So I'm a big believer, whatever you watch, whatever you listen to, whatever you're doing to input your brain is so important, young people. And can I just tell you a statistic? People who get most of their input from music through headphones are 8.3 times more susceptible to depression. Now, when I read the article, I went back to the author to say, do you mean dark music? Because obviously music can lift us or it can pull us down. So we have to be very careful about how we choose. But the reason I mentioned the headphones is because it's isolating. It's beautiful if you wanna be into a meditative state on your own. It's not good if you're walking down the street and you do not see another living soul. I live next to a school and this happens to me every day. So be careful what you're putting into your head and be careful how you're putting it into your head. Conscience, character, absolutely aligned. The sharper your conscience, the stronger your character. I had a boy on the Miomo program, which was a live-in program we ran at Perimarimo for two and a half years. He did something that I could have sent him home. I didn't want to. So I took him for a little ride with me. He didn't know that I knew what he'd done, he'd been dobbed in, and I took him for a little ride. And instead of going right to go to Albany's shops, I turned left to go to Perimarima Prison. I nailed him on the crime about a kilometre down the road. He started to cry, couldn't believe I'd found out. He said, where are we going? I said, you'll see. I pulled up outside maximum security and I said, Jake, he said, why are we here? I said, because in a couple of years' time, this will be your home if you keep going the way you're going. I had very t- two very sad pictures in my head for you, my love. I said to him, the first one is what these boys will do to you when you come out here. I said, you're a pretty boy. So I got this big, clenched up on the seat, as you can imagine. I said, but that's not the worst picture. And he couldn't think of anything worse. I said to him, the worst picture I have for you is that I'm sitting next to a 17-year-old young man who has no conscience. You have ignored it for so long. You no longer recognise when that small, still voice speaks to you and says, this is not right. He said, are you gonna send me home? I said, I should, but I don't want to. I want you to learn something. I want you to promise me that you will put some things in place and you will turn your life 180 degrees and walk the other way. We call it repentance. God calls it repentance. When we choose to no longer live that life, but we say, I will trust in you, Lord. I will receive your forgiveness and I will walk that way. Now, I didn't use the biblical model on him because it wasn't appropriate, but I said to him, I want you to turn your life around. Can you do this for me? And he said, I don't know if I can. I said, fair call. Hop out. He jumped out. It was the middle of winter. We were seven kilometres from the camp. It was uphill, down daily, had no shoes on. I said, I want you to walk home and think about it, which he did. And when he got back to camp, he was bawling. I'm just about bawling thinking about it because it was so impactful in my life. He said, I've made a decision. I want to be a good man because I want to have a lot of little children. He had come from a family, only mum and aunties, no father. He hated his father. And he wanted to be king of his own heap. And I suddenly remembered his dream board 
This is not his, this is a dream board, an example of what we do on the program, visualising what we want for our future. And I remembered on his dream board were three little children with three mothers. And I said to him, Jake, you can only have as many children as one woman can bear. If you want to be the father, you tell me. I want you to go into the conference room and take two of those women off the dream board. He was already setting himself up for a life that would never work. This is my passion. My passion is to help young people see a future for themselves. I got these two. This is the world's strictest parents. It was filmed right here in New Zealand. They came over from Australia. Their goal was to humiliate and destroy me. They had no conscience. But they didn't know that I had a bigger goal and a bigger God than theirs. And I'd already prayed for these young people when they came to me that I would be able to turn them around with God's help by using love and discipline just as God uses with us. Because He loves us, He disciplines us. Because He wants the best for us and He has that long-term vision in mind. And you can go and watch it. You can go onto the Parenting Adults website and have a look. There's a short version or a long version. Loads of entertainment for the family from 12 years up at my expense. And they put me through the hoops for sure. I mean, incredible. I led one of them to the Lord and those two kids turned around. And that little girl, she came back, went home to the Gold Coast and she came back and lived with us for two months. Now, when you see the show, you will never believe that she was turned around. You will, you will not believe it in the beginning. But you see, the power of love is greater than the power of hate. The, what God has in store for us is greater than what the enemy has to destroy us. Our goal as parents is to do two things. It's to open the front door to the dream open wide and it's to close the back door to dysfunction. That is love and discipline. And when we do that, we can set up the foundation that our young people can walk across that bridge from child to adult. We lay the foundation for them. These are some of the materials on Miomo. I didn't want to show you that right now. I want to show you this, this slide. To so you could visualise the kids walking from one side to the other. We are here to raise up Joseph's, Daniel's, Esther's and Ruth's. Read the story of those four young people. They were young, but they had God on their side. They had character on their side. They had vision on their side. And they changed the nation. And that's what I want for our young people. And that's why now the Miomo program there, I've rewritten it for year 13s. And we're going now, we've just started, we've done two pilots. We, next, by next year, we'll be on a major roll. Four days, nine till four, all the stuff I've talked about today gets handled. And that you can have a look at the, the program up the back there. And the Parenting Adults book that I wrote is so that the parents could take everything I teach on Miomo and teach it to their own kids. I'm about strengthening families. I'm about making sure that we do train up and equip a generation of young people that are 10 times better. If we want to change New Zealand, we start in our own home. We don't look for somebody else to do it, we change it. We change it by stepping up to the mark for ourselves as leaders, as parents, and by giving those practical tools 
to our kids, making sure that they're not ignorant, making sure that they are confident, that they have clarity, that they have the capabilities they need to go out into the world to be competitive and to make their mark. If you would like to know any more about what I'm doing, you can go onto either of my websites. So the Parenting Adults website is primarily the book and some resources there and I've done some speaking on Radio Rima and that's all there and different things. And the book is available at the back if you'd like to get hold of that today and we've got a special offer on there for you today for Mother's Day. The Miomo program for you will not probably be running until next year this out this way, but uh, bear it in mind and you can like both of the Facebook pages and stay in touch with us. And lastly, if anything that I've said today has given you a little nudge, I can be doing better then I want to encourage you that the resources that we have available for you will help you to do better. I don't think any parent can be expected to know all this stuff. I didn't know it when we were raising our kids, who are now 35 and 31. But through, through things that happened in our family, uh, I had to do some soul searching and some seeking and some learning. And although I'd already had a background in leadership, I was then able to apply it into this space because it mattered to me that other people would have access to these tools. And if today something has raised in you that you want to know more about God and you'd like to know, how does God want us to raise our families? How does God want us to run our lives? And you'd like to know more about Jesus Christ then there is a little card that you have been given that you can just tick on the back there and give it to Pastor Ian and he will be able to talk you through some whatever it is that you'd like to know and it'll be a great start for you. So I wanna thank you so much for having me and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks, Kev. How many of you really enjoyed that? Let's give another big warm new hope. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. Yvonne has, she's not just a, uh, a theoretician, she's a practitioner. And as you can probably imagine, I'm going, yes, yes. What she's saying is absolutely biblical. Now, the Bible says that, you know, there's not a person here, first of all, that wouldn't want their children to be responsible, to be independent and to have excellent character and be fitted for life to succeed. You now have an opportunity to go back, avail yourself of some of those resources and practically put it into practice in your own children's lives and even in your grandchildren's lives. Encourage your children as well. So I'd highly encourage it. It's all based on biblical principles. Father, thank you so much today for Yvonne and for Simon, Lord. I pray that you bless them. And that Lord, that the fruit of their labour would grow enormously and bless families and bless your heart. Father, I pray for those today who some of them, maybe it's the first time they've ever been in church. But Lord, they have a heart for family. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. And I pray that Lord, they would sense your presence calling them. Father, for mums and dads with children that they are concerned about, 
I pray that, Lord, you would guide them as they look to you for your ways. Father, we uplift those children and we pray that your spirit would continue to bring them back towards you, to sharpen their conscience, to soften their hearts, that, Lord, they may live lives that are based on truthfulness and diligence and integrity and hard work and perseverance. Father, would you put within all of us an attitude of thankfulness for this life that you've given us. Help us to be better parents. Help us to parent our adults. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus, we ask it. And all the people said, Amen.